ride with me in my foul life. What's up, everybody? Listening to the Foul Life Podcast Midwest Series. This is your host, Joel Clayfish, alongside two-time state goose-calling champion Dave Nelson. What up, G? How's it going, man? Good, really good, man. I'm pretty jacked about this podcast because, although it is the Midwest Series, we've got national host Chad Belding in the house with us today. Chad is in Wisconsin. What do you think so far? You really do have a radio voice huh? and a face for it. Like, Thanks, man. Oh, right off the bat. Well, you, you really, know, a lot of people say we look alike, so if you're telling me I have a face oh for God, radio. Oh, God, can you imagine? See, Dave just gave it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I love Wisconsin. Really, really cool state. Had some uh, good food already. Jack Daniels. The meetings we've had so far have been very productive. Yeah. The goose that you cooked for one of the meetings today was off the chain. You, you uh, combined some drop tine and fowl on a slow cook goose method that was really, really good for Canada goose, which gets a bad rap. But you can. Yeah, I got to admit, it's it's the toughest of the waterfowl to make legitimately good if you just kind of tore the breast out and and put it on a smoker or a grill. There's a lot of work that needs to be done with Canada goose, but you can have unbelievable table fare. So what you did on that, big kudos to you on that. Chicken wings, awesome with the right wing sauce. I mean, there's been a lot of cool stuff. Brewers game last night. Got to work out at a Planet Fitness in Madison yesterday, How'd so I that do? was nice. Like at the workout? Yeah, at the workout. Um, I describe it like this, and I mean this in the nicest of ways, but there's a movie called Something About Mary, and there's a guy in there that walks You're all messed worst. up, and that's what you look like working out. No, I'm being for real. It's kind of like... What are you talking about? I crushed it. I did that, like, crab walk thing you had that's hard do. huh yeah that's hard it's called push-up walkout that's hard so you do put you do a push-up and then you do like a crab walk across no you oh, do yeah. a side plank walk side plank walk with a straight body and a perfect plank and, yeah, you, that- and you go four lengths and then you do another push-up then you go back the other way and you're supposed to do 16 push-ups so eight eight transfers you got two in that was good <laughs> two sets <laughs> back and forth twice one and a half ish I think I feel like you're. I think you're hard on me, though. I think you're. Really I think hard. that you. I think need, you're really hard. On I me. think that you need somebody to be hard on you. I think I don't that know you, what that means. I think that you're a very disciplined person in your tasks as a as a professional, but I also don't think that you put enough emphasis on physical health. I think that everybody owes it to their body, and I'm not saying you can't f around once in a while and put some Jack Daniels in there and. Um, you know, party a little bit. I'm not saying that, but you got to balance it out with an extreme work ethic in physical fitness because your body is your temple and you only get one chance with it. And it's scientifically proven through very strong doctors and research right now that it's up to 200, 250% of longevity in life based on tone, being toned and muscle mass. So and, muscle and ha- mass compared to fat on your body. Well, not just fat, but having, having balance and having strength and core that you're not falling down and breaking a hip. Mm-hmm. It fights disease. It fights okay. genetics. I mean, be, t- muscle mass and lean muscle. Okay, let's just say that. Lean muscle. It's proven that if you work out and take care of your body that you, you can increase longevity of life, which I think the average lifespan of an American male is around 73 years old. If you, if you got your mind uh, right... If you got your wits about you, you can wipe your own ass. You can, you can walk to, you know, you can walk and you can exercise. Who wouldn't want to live in? I mean, my buddy Les Nesbitt's 83 years old. I know. And he's in, in tremendous physical look, shape. Look at Uncle Ted, dude. Uncle mm-hmm. Ted's 74. He works out. Okay. He takes care of himself. I'm gonna get, I think that's a fair. I think that's fair. I, but listen, let me finish and, I'm not, and I'll let you go. I stay on you because I think that you have a lot to live for. And you don't press yourself hard enough physically. And I think that that shit can catch up with you big time. Not just you, but anybody. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I don't want it to be taken like that. But I don't think that you you press. I think that you're a very results-driven human being. And I don't think that you ask enough out of yourself in the physical part of life. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm, no, I'm not saying that's unfair. So, And my excuse is when I look at it, I say... Well, you know what? I, I, I don't take no for an answer in my job and my career and, and what I do and when it comes to hunting. I'm 
absolutely balls to the walls, 24 seven. I don't drink anymore. So I took that step toward better health. And you know what? I, I don't think, I think you can drink and have fantastic health. Sure uh, I like drinking, uh, you know, and there are days that I miss it. But my point is I look at life and I say, I go so to the wall on so many different things. And I so enjoy eating that that's the hardest thing for me in my life is to have the willpower around what you put in your body. Because even if you work out like a banshee, 90% of the way you look is what you put in your mouth. It is. Not 90. Well, how often a day do you eat? Well, I, I'm trying to do this intermittent fasting and, and low carb kind of deal, and which is really awesome. The fact that you can eat, you know, we eat wild game in this house, period. And the, the fact is you can eat high protein, low carbohydrate, uh, organic, and, and use, you know, the provider lifestyle and, and eat meat. And you can really do that but for me, I get caught in these traps of like, well, I grew up with all this pasta because my mom's Italian. I grew up, you know, with all these homemade breads and everything. And that's where my willpower just falls apart or I'm eating at 11 o'clock at night. Well, hey, I, I can't eat I, that late. Like, I, so I started doing the intermittent fasting thing too. So it's like every day, 3.30, I'm up, 4 o'clock, I'm at the gym. By 6 o'clock, go to work, fast for 16 hours. You can start eating about like noon, 1 o'clock. But I'm busy working, so I get home, eat dinner, go to bed, wake up at 3.30, do it again. In 14 days, I dropped like 21 pounds. Intermittent fasting You feel great. First off, it's not for everybody because it's hard. No, it's super hard. But I intermittent fast every night from 7.30 p.m. until noon. When I'm on the road a little bit and time changes and stuff start to mess with me, I'm not afraid to eat earlier than that. But intermittent fasting is pretty much calorie saved Mm -hmm. and as long as you're not a glutton and you get to noon and you're like oh my god i'm gonna go eat a huge lunch right now you know you really you really watch your portion controls everything when you when you're talking about nutrition right portion controls huge here's the here's the deal though is that you you have somebody like me like i'm my mom's italian and I love to cook and I love to eat. I love sushi with the sweet rice. Anybody that says sashimi is as good as nigiri is crazy. No. It tastes so much better it's raw salmon better. on top of the sweet rice, right? Way better. With a hand roll stuffed with yellowtail and high you know, protein tuna and salmons and octopus and you name it. Like I love sushi. I've been on this carnivore diet since May 6th. My energy level, my skin my sleep habits, except on this bed you got me on, which is terrible. Um, it's really, really bad. Um, it, it, I've seen huge results in it. So my point is, is like, if you dedicated yourself instead of last night, when you saw that pizza and the guy's like, oh, I love all that. I ate a piece of that pizza, but I just took all the toppings off the crust. I didn't eat the crust of that pizza. Yes, you did. I watched no, it. I had one bite. <laughs> I had one bite with the crust. That's not a true. That's not a true statement either. But again, we're no. not going to argue because there's no scientific proof unless your boy's got cameras in that bar. <laughs> which thank you to the Concord Inn because that place is awesome. The owner's name is John. John is a great dude, and, and uh, what's her name? The bartender Miranda. Miranda, stud bartender, took good care of us. My point is, is if you want it. And I mean this, this is, we're going to end this conversation because everybody out there in the waterfowl world and people in the waterfowl world should pay attention to this because waterfowl hunters always have notoriously been known for being bigger than a sheep hunter or a westerny, you know, quote unquote, mountain goat hunter, mule right. deer hunter, guys that are in the mountains and they're trekking. There's a huge push in the world to know where your food comes from right now, living organic, living off the land. Well, here's the deal. You're 52 years old. You, you my outlook in life is that I want to be doing this passionate lifestyle Shooting can of geese, calling can of geese, training dogs, watching all that stuff go down, being with my daughter through graduation, and hopefully she has a great life, right? And I get to watch all that. I want to be unbelievably healthy when I'm 78, 80, 85. And I, and I got genetics fighting me. My grandpa dies at 49 of a heart attack. Oof. My dad, his son, Orville Belding, my dad, dies at 54 of a massive heart attack. Wow. Genetically right now, I'm like, man, but you can fight that. You can reverse genetics through through a healthier lifestyle. So what I'm saying is that if you wanted to lose right now, if you wanted to lose 30 pounds, which we all need to lose weight, we all can afford I'd to lose some albie. Not shape. this cat. This guy needs to start eating. <laughs> no, but, you know, he's got to put some food, <laughs> but you, you can afford to lose how much weight right now? You think 30 pounds, 30 pounds. My fight you will not do it unless you work out with a balanced diet and stay consistent with it. Period. It you just takes can't it all. It. it takes willpower, but that's the reason. Actually, I mean, 
that's the reason I wanted to talk to you about it because something that you that you preach that hits home to me a lot really hits me uh, every time we're together is that in order to be a good hunter you have to have some degree of physical fitness in order to to do it or not 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 talent I mean your skill set I mean I know dudes that are hundred pounds overweight that will blow me away in the duck woods. Okay, that can lay in a goose blind and absolutely smash Canada geese. But can they run out and pick up eight geese and run back in a stubbled cornfield to get their heart rate to 180, lay back down and get it down and, and, you know, and, 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 and really normalize it or get it back down and recover to where when the next flock's coming and you and Dave are like, get in, get in, get in, you get in and can you start blowing a goose call? That's a good test. Yeah. And that's the thing about hunting is that you're, you, you need to challenge yourself in little areas like that of, can you hoist yourself up in a dip position out of a pit and jump up out of the pit, run and get geese, get back in, jump in and not twist an ankle, not pull a muscle in your lower back and not have your heart rate elevated to 190 beats per minute to where you can't enjoy the next flock. You can't even, you're breathing so heavy. You can't even put the goose call to your mouth or put the gun to your finger, right? The gun to your hand. And I don't want to die when I'm 60. I want to keep doing this. And I I think. And you have, and you have heart issues fighting against you too. Yes. Well, I think even setting up, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we hunt, you got to pack everything in. Yeah. You know, every now and then you can a lot of fields with a hundred pounds of gear on our backs. And that's what Les always talks about is that you could deer hunting and walking up mountains and and stopping and getting your breath and getting that shot with a 270 Winchester with a scoped rifle or that bow and you pull back and you're pulling back a 70 pound draw, whatever it is. Can you get your breathing under control to make that shot? Can you, can you? Can you get out of the blind and get those geese and get back in and get your breathing under control to make that shot? If, if something goes down and you're defending your home and, you're, and your hypertension is going and your adrenaline's going, can you get your breathing under control to make sure that you're ready to go if it happens, right? Like those are all instances that may never happen. You might not even be the guy that gets out of a blind to go get the geese. But challenging yourself to be that guy that can do that, that's important to me. I don't want to be 55 getting left in the dust by a 22 year old. I want them to have to fight to keep up with me. And that's what I do every day with Les. He's 83. He'll be 83 in February. And I'll be hell if, it, if, I, crazy. Can, if I can keep yeah. up with him in the gym, I'm having a good day. He'll, he'll, he'll leg press on a sled, a walking sled, a, 11 plates with me standing on top of it. Jeez. Jeez. And he'll push that sled for 80 yards. That's and he's 82 years old. So again, to each their own. You want to be overweight, you want to be unhealthy, and you want to stand up against a tree and have a big red man in in a Copenhagen and drink eight bush lights that night, teach their own. I love y'all. But to really perform at your best, yeah, I do think that we owe it to our temple to be in some kind of physical shape. Don't you? Don't you want to feel good? Yes, of course. Well, do you, nobody wants. Do you want to? No, you, you don't think I beat the crap out of myself on a daily I don't know. basis? I don't know. Being fat? Do you want to get out of the shower and look in the mirror and be like, oh my God, I'm sexy as What's that AF? Is that what the AF. kids say? Don't you want, AF. like, yeah. are you that, are, I'm very vain. Being I don't on know TV, if I'm that vain. TV on 15 years, you were on TV. Looking at yourself on TV, I'm like, dude, I look like a piece of shit. And I don't want to. I want to look at it and be like, oh man, I look pretty good. I think yeah. everybody does. Well, you just feel better. Yeah, and you feel better. I mean, not even, wor- Dave, not even worrying like, about the weight. Like you look like you lost some weight. And yeah, he said he did. Yeah. So, yeah, almost 20, yeah, just over 20 pounds. And I feel amazing. And I'm up at 3.30 every day. And everyone else that I work with, you talk to them about it. And they're like, fuck that. I'm not getting up that early. I mean, I go to bed a little earlier now, but I don't drink alcohol much anymore. But I just feel awesome every day I wake up. Every day I wake up, am I tired? Yeah. Do I want to go to the gym? Not really. But you get there and you start your routine. And by the time you walk out, it's like, all right, let's get the day going. You know, it's it's... Really like the start of summer. Officially, the start of summer is June 21st, but kind of unofficially, it's Memorial Day weekend. This is, this is the toughest time for me as a waterfall hunter. We scout hard. Scouting is such a big part of hunting and consistent success. Mule deer, long time ago. I don't see any, Dad. Just keep your glasses up. Look for that white tail little white tail of a mule deer just twitching a little bit look for the sun hitting off his antlers as he lays in his bed during the afternoon it's not easy to spot mule deer in high rock country of nevada or montana wyoming colorado idaho utah arizona the strip the kaibab it's not easy glassing is an art patience 
And then when it comes to waterfowling, well, duck hunters don't need glasses, really. I scout every day with glasses and sometimes a spotting scope. I use range finders to understand how far I'm off a fence line, a tree line, how far my furthest decoy is. Maybe I'm lazy. I don't step it off. I do step it off some, but I use range finders now. And they're all supplied by Vortex, a Wisconsin American-based company, Vortex Optics. Their casual line of clothing, their spotting scopes, their range finders, their binoculars, their innovation, their dedication to conservation and hunting. I've hunted with members of the Vortex family and employees. I've visited their headquarters. I've learned their culture and their quality is second to none. Never will you be in one of our Ford trucks and not see a pair of binoculars on the console, in the console, on the back seat, hanging from one of the headrests onto the passenger seat or the driver's seat. We're always ready. We look over, see a mallard pitching down. What is that? Oh, a goose just went down over there. Was that a turkey? Oh, I just saw a flash over there. Is that a big snow goose grind? Is that a mule deer? Is that an antelope? Is that a moose? Is that an elk? We scout hard because we want to be prepared. There, nothing is ever going to replace the scout. So believe in it. You might have to leave earlier. We travel so many miles behind the windshield in Canada, Saskatchewan, Alberta, traveling those dirt roads, looking for the best hunt. And then we have plan B and plan C. If plan A doesn't work out, did a coyote run through them right before before the sun went down and blew them out of there? Okay, we might have to go to plan B tomorrow. We always go back to plan A and make sure they're there. We put them to bed. Scout hard. Learn how to scout. Live that Vortex lifestyle. Thank you so much to Vortex Optics for being the official optic of the Foul Life TV, the Foul Life Podcast, Where the Pavement in Podcast. And don't forget to check out Vortex Scouting segments coming up on Season 15 of Benelli's The Foul Life exclusively on the Outdoor Channel beginning in late June, early July 2023 and running through late December after Christmas. The best time of the year, 2023, on the Outdoor Channel. Thank you, Vortex, and thank you all for supporting the brands that support The Foul Life. Toughest time. I wish away summer. I can't stand summer. That's crazy. I hate Summer's it. Summer's so awesome. Summer's I was telling you so this the awesome. other day, though. I, I don't like summer because you really can't hunt anything in the summer. You can go kill walleye and catch them and fry them. You can. You can. But, but, but man, it's not the same as getting out there in the blind, sitting in a cornfield. Yeah, but it's sometimes you got to, sometimes it's better to, to build that anticipation up again and not have it every day. Yeah, sometimes you just need well, a break. The, well, yeah, because, I mean, that's true. The only way you know you had a good hunt is if you've ever had a bad hunt. You well, not just, not just to, to. I'm not talking about the bad part, but I'm talking about the not having it. Like, you can go to Argentina right now and kill ducks, right, in July. Right. Or June and July. Right. Their wintertime down there south side of, the, of the, the equator, it's their wintertime, yeah. You can go down there right now and fulfill that. You want to go shoot 125 rosy bills a day? Yeah, it's fun while you're down there, but, I mean, three days of it, and you're like, I'm good. So then when that ends and you go into that summer mode of boating and jet skiing and lakes and grilling with your Traeger on the side of the lake, that's needed. That's needed. And there's nothing like the anticipation of opening day. No. I would never want a year-round hunting season. Yeah, now, I, I'll hunt 120. I don't think I would either. But what should, I mean, what as waterfowlers should we be doing right now to prep for next How many season? days of waterfowl season do you hunt? How many total days do you hunt waterfowl? 90 I hunted last good, year. Yeah, I hunted 120. <laughs> I if you that. wanted it, you could hunt more. Yeah, you'd if have you to miss travel. it. You'd have to travel. Yeah. Travel out of Wisconsin to do it. But California's I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm waterfowl hunting six days a week. Five days a week, six days a week. And you'd want to do it year-round? You like? Do you enjoy killing geese in August? Like, there's the last thing I want to do Ugh, is no. kill Canada geese when, when it's kidding. 90 out. Even when it's, when it's even early September. I mean, we're out there, but sometimes it gets awfully hot. When I'm in Texas for teal, I, I'm ready for the hunt to be over an hour after it starts with the bugs, the mosquitoes, oh, yeah. the snakes, the cottonmouths, the moccasins, which I think are the same thing. I'm over it. I'm over it. Like, that was fun, and you shoot into some swads <laughs> of teal, but I'm done. I'd much rather be at a lake on a boat with a beer. Yeah, that's fun, too, and throwing a line in is always fun. But I, for me... I, I mean, what you said is the reason I miss it. So when you have that time that you can't get out in the field, your brain starts going and you start thinking, what can I do to get ready for, for next waterfall season? I mean, I see, you see guys post all the time, how many days till waterfall season? I mean, they start counting the second that the last day is over, you know, in Wisconsin or in the Midwest. And I think there is an anticipation for it. So what is there to do? I mean, what should you do in the summertime to prep for next season? I don't know. I love working, you know, when I'm with, if I'm in with Brad or I'm with one of my trainers that 
you have your dogs around and you can be on the water with your dogs, getting that better camaraderie with your dogs. I think that calling is a great practice. I think you have all of your table fare that you could be doing, you know, creative things, whether it's sausage stuffing, whether it's grinding and doing ground or whether it's coming up with some different, you know, recipes. I think there's all of that that you can practice and live that lifestyle out. But again, when it's a hundred degrees out, which you're not going to get away. I mean, it's hot here in Wisconsin today. Yeah, it's like almost 90 today. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. A duck crosses my mind every day, every single day, but I'm, but I'm really good with being on a lake with my daughter and chilling too. You know what? What you said was a good point bringing up cooking. Cause I never yeah, thought I was of, just gonna I say, never thought of that. That's my and, summer thing. Well, and so many people I think get used to eating ducks or geese in the fall because you're hunting and you're harvesting them and they want to do something with them. But more oftentimes than not, when it comes to preparing them at the end of a hunt, most guys are too tired to want to actually put in the work to do it. So you get to this time of year and you've got how many ducks or geese that are in the freezer still from last year. That that's perfect. Well you owe it to the bird and the resource to one if you are going to hunt every day, like you just said, you hunted 90 days, that's a lot of animals. I saw your freezer when you and your wife opened it yesterday. You got a lot of wild game in there. Yeah. Rightfully so. I've always had an issue of the feds and the state level agencies telling me when I need to eat my birds. Yeah, if I, can't, I can't stand, if I I can't go out, stand the possession limit rule. Yeah, if so I stupid. go out and kill my legal limit, daily limit every day, I should be able to save them all and have a big wild game on January 15th. 100%. Because it's not illegal. It's yeah, but your daily did you limit. see my stack of papers that are... Sure, uh, it's legal. magnetized it's legal. to to the freezer. I do that because I keep my counts of everything. But we owe it to that bird and to that resource to really use a good vacuum sealer, really keep the air off yep. the meat, the freezer burnt and the ice off the meat, the chill. You owe that. And then the other part that you owe is that you you eat that. Mm-hmm. So many people bury it and then you know and then top it with this year's harvest. Yes. And then they might go and they see a sale on pork butt, so they buy some of those, and then you know it adds up. And if you don't consistently come up with ideas to eat that game, the next you better have a, a great network to give some away because a lot of people, especially, I love how we age everything now. It's always pre-pandemic or post-pandemic. Right. But one thing that COVID taught was that people started getting really interested where their food came from. When they ran out of beef in stores, the story of the hunt really revolved around the table fare. And it got people interested, right? And that's that's one of the reasons why hunting licenses went up so much is that people are like, oh, you, what do you mean you can call a turkey in and you can make it taste like that? Yeah. Well, here's how you do it. Here's 100%. where you do it. And so I think that, that that interest sparked a lot of people that got fired up and as mentors and as, as ambassadors of this flagship you know, lifestyle, it's our duty to keep them here and doing it the right way. And that, and, and letting your freezer, there's nothing worse in my opinion that hurts my feelings more or makes me more critical of myself than going into my freezer and having to throw away something because it's aged too much. It wasn't packaged right, vacuum sealed right. And it's ruined. That's a terrible feeling. Yeah. That's it. I grew up poor. Horrible. I grew up poor. Like I don't want to wait. Like I am a king. I'm, I call myself a MacGyver chef. Cause I will keep leftovers and go into the refrigerator. You've seen me do it. Oh yeah. And that's what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to make people go, wait, this is all leftovers from the last three days in camp. Yeah. And look what we did with it. Stuffed bell peppers, yeah. nacho, whatever it is. You, you can, you, you can be creative and, 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 and really pay homage and respect to this lifestyle by not taking it for granted. But it takes, like we talked about the working out. It's easy to make an excuse not to work out. Right. Yeah. I'd rather do when I'm on the road hunting, I'd rather do anything, but now we have tailgate training. I want to stay in shape, but it's easier to go, Oh man, I'm just going to Uber eat some food in here. No, go get your lazy ass out in that freezer, pull out eight things and come up with eight recipes that week. But we want to make an excuse because of the time factor. The time factor is what kills us. We want everything now, instant gratification, or we want somebody else cooking it for us. There's nothing better for me. I could be dead tired absolutely dead freaking tired and when i get in the kitchen and i put a little bit of guns and roses music on or some john party and i start thinking like a macgyver chef or i start visualizing using the art of visualization like that i learned in baseball (laughs) once you start visualizing that meal once that dog brings that duck back and that duck's in axel's mouth or duff's mouth and i take it out my mind shifts from the night before i was thinking all right my hunt i'm gonna set up the hunt i got this I got this clean slate in front of me. I'm going to create a masterpiece. 
I know the wind direction. I scouted. I know where the roots are. I know where the lows are. I know all the shit that's going on. As soon as I get that strap full, my mind shifts. I start thinking, what can I do tonight to throw down in camp? What can I get creative with? Absolutely. And I think that that's encompassing. I think that that's a maturity thing that when you're 21, it's piles make smiles and I need a limit. Right. You know what I mean? We touched on it in the meeting yesterday. The, the food is a, the number one reason why somebody should hunt. Absolutely. Yep. I do something I do because we eat wild game all year long. And I'm telling you, you looked in that freezer, that's about half full as it was two months ago. And we will eat that all. And by the time hunting season comes, it'll be just about empty. And it's literally like, Hey, that's how I'm going to shop for the next year for my meat. Right. And one of the things I do when I come home and we, let's say we, we go out and we get geese, you know, we get a, a limited geese. I will put those in the Ziploc and then I rotate. I grab from the back to cook that night and then put those smart. in the front. Yep, so as I'm cooking, I'm pulling from the back every time. Then everything stays about the same age because what happens is a lot of people just keep packing stuff in on, on the front of it. And then when you get to the back of the freezer, it's four years old. Yeah. yeah and, 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 that no, does make it, and, and that's the thing about, the lifestyle and the cooking part of it and you know, anything that has to do with waterfowl hunting is intimidating. I don't care what anybody says it's hard. Consistent results and success in this game is hard, really hard, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of critics now in our, in our world because of social media. And I want people to understand that I don't give a shit how you cook it. There's going to be meals that I'd cook without skin on a duck. There's going to be times where I just breast out ducks. People are like, you should take the legs and the livers. And I'm like, dude, we kill thousands of birds a year. We hunt hard. We eat everyone we kill. But just because you think I should be, just because you kill four ducks a year and you take all those different parts and you make your gum, good for you. But who are you to critique the way that we, if we're legal and ethical, quit critiquing so much, quit worrying about what other people are doing, stay in your lane. And if you see a recipe out there, think of it as something that you might want to try. Don't get so eager to have keyboard muscle and be like, dude, that is an absolute waste of the resource. Cause it's not, you don't know if I didn't take that fat and render it down to cook tater tots in for my daughter a couple weeks later. You don't know. You don't know what's going on. You don't know if we cut the legs out and made a roux with a gumbo with those spec legs, just stop all the, Stop all the insinuating or the assumptions and just understand that don't be intimidated by it. Cook the way that you want to cook. You just hit on something that's a much bigger issue. And that is criticism. Is that a vape pen? Criticism in the industry. Is that a vape pen? Stop. I didn't know that people still vaped. Criticism (laughs) of each other in the same industry. And it drives me. Infighting. It's terrible. It drives me nuts in the outdoor industry more than any other because we are we are like-minded in the fact that we believe in the second amendment we believe in the right to get out there and utilize firearms to take food from field to table and we believe in the harvesting and killing of animals to do it and when there's infighting among those who utilize the outdoors and provide food for their family it does nothing but hurt us and i cannot stand the critical nature of certain people keyboard warriors as to how somebody else hunts and harvests i will see a post on wisconsin turkey hunters using a blind ethical not ethical let's hear it and all they're doing is inviting discord among people who are supposed to be similar minded and care about promoting a resource and taking it from field table that does nothing but hurt us yeah and, and you're and you're forgetting that we have enough antis that's got my a, point we got enough people that don't want it anyway well, do you know, you know, Travis Miller or Mueller with Banded. Oh, yeah. So I was working a show with him one time and that topic came up and he goes, you know, if you took bow hunters and gun deer hunters and put them all in a room by the end of it, they'd probably come out. Most of them pretty good buddies. If you took six duck and goose hunters and put them in a, in a room, probably only one or two of them would come out. <laughs> yeah, it's a different life. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a weird. different mindset. But here I've been I've been critical of I don't think you should hunt turkeys with a bow. Yeah, and but I agree. if you do it and it's legal and ethical, go do it. I'm not going to sit there and, and come down on you, but I believe that a turkey and a goose are two animals that were born to be killed with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. I know that there's very good archery hunters out there, mm-hmm. but they're not meant to be killed with a bow, in my opinion. Well, and I think a lot more are critically injured and lost than the ones that you see on TV die. Oh, absolutely. Well, and the thing that happened one time 
bow hunting geese. It's like for us to see it happen, it's like, man, that sucks. But I was fishing then in September and there's a goose in someone's backyard on their lawn with eating the grass arrow. with an arrow sticking out of it. How does that look to the homeowners? Because you they're know not, all those homeowners They're, they're not, man. I mean, I've seen Chris Brackett take a goose out of the air. I've seen Fred. Um, oh, God. Eichler? Yeah, Eichler yeah. do it with a longbow. Um, but it takes them. It's like these TikTok videos. You know, they, they, they do these ping pong shots where they, they do a million of them and then they record one and then that's what they post to get all the likes. Well, that's what archery hunting birds is, you know? And again, this is not meant to, for an archery turkey hunter, say you're full of shit that it should be allowed. I'm not saying don't do it, but if you are going to do it, man, you've got to practice and you got to understand that shot. It's just, it's so much more pleasing to me to see a turkey get smoked with a, with a 12 gauge. And now with all of these sub gauges coming out in the 28 and the 410 revolution in turkey hunting with, with TSS, yeah. it still needs to be practiced. Can you really kill a turkey at 70 yards with a 28 gauge or a 20 gauge consistently, not shaking, anticipation, your nerves, all that? Can you really do it? Or are we teaching the wrong message? I want to get him at 10 feet and kill him with a 12 gauge and watch that's him and, and, and not, want, not let him suffer at all. But again, that's just, that's just the mentality. And I've talked to a lot of Southern Turkey hunters that agree yeah. that, that the archery thing has, is, is weird to me. It's, it's a little bit weird, but again, it's not a critical thing or a judgmental thing. If you want it, go get it. Just practice and be ready for it. Those dirt, those birds do not deserve to be shaven with a broadhead because you're not able to hold study with a bow. And the same with the gun. You got to practice gun and pattern it and know your shooting system and put it on paper and figure out what that shooting system is going to do at different yardages. At the same time, you're not going to be the guy keyboard warrioring. No, I've never uh, on Facebook who was against somebody who's choosing a legal. Could you imagine going to... online and telling Tom no. Cruise that Top Gun sucked? I can't. Could you imagine? Like I've never done that in my life. I've I don't get it. it. But the more we beat each other up publicly, the worse it hurts. Yelp out. reviews? Like, your restaurant sucks. Why didn't you find the manager and tell them to their face? Right. Which will get you a lot further than a The Yelp foul life's the biggest anyway. piece of shit. You just hunt them. Look, I'm going to be at Max Prairie Wings for three days in November. Come say it. Come to the booth <laughs> and tell me. Let's, let's, let's yeah. chat. It's never happened one time. Not one time in 15 seasons of the foul life have I been confronted on what a piece of shit right. I am for the way that we hunt. Because the person who's criticizing you uh, is sitting in his underpants in his parents' basement. Oh, wow, Joel. For- <laughs> wow. Coming up for a PB&J and having mom cut the crust yeah. off? Is that what you're going First at? thing they have to do is find a pair of pants to put on, and then they'd have to actually make some And then, you know, they're going to slide. They don't have the And what kind of shoes it. are they wearing? If you get this right, I'm... They're wearing Crocs. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. Which should be outlawed. Guaranteed. <laughs> should be out- should. I mean, I almost got an issue with what our boy's wearing here. I'm sorry, Ooh. but I even think camouflage Crocs should be outlawed. All oh. Crocs. All Crocs. I'm with Crocs. you, man. They're the worst. They're just the worst. They're, they're, they're an excuse, right? <laughs> they're, they are ugly. They should be on peopleofwalmart.com. You ever been on that site? <laughs> no. No. Oh, that's, that's, that's not real. It's real. People of That Walmart? might be the wrong domain, but it's there. Like walmartpeople.com. <laughs> I mean, you want to have the best freaking comedy show of your life. You go into Walmart at 11 o'clock at night. That is I'm true. I'm telling you, that's a fact. That is a fact. Again, I want to reiterate this before you leave that subject. I'm not telling you don't go turkey hunt with a bow. Yeah, I got that. I'm just saying I don't agree with it. But I'm not going to start infighting and, and judge you as a hunter because you do it. My, my good friend Philip Culpepper has faced this a ton because this dude is an absolute turkey magician. Kills them like, they're, like it's his job. People are like, why are you fanning a turkey? He's like, because it's legal. And when I go into the field, I'm going out there to kill a turkey. Because so many times you go out there and you don't kill a turkey. Yeah. So you're not going to tell me how to kill a turkey. Now, if you got an issue in a state like, let's say, Georgia, Alabama, where the limit was just dropped, that's a limit deal. If the turkeys are struggling, then drop the limit. Right. 100%. But if you're going to tell Absolutely. me, as long as I'm using a legal means and ethical, ethical matter to sh- harvest my turkey, don't judge people. Mm-hmm. I used to have an issue because I killed one reaping in Kentucky. And when I got back to camp, I'm like, man, I got this. And, Dude, I, I thought I was going to get smoked. I thought they're going to beat the living piss out of me. Like, That's not traditional. And I'm like, okay, I'll never do it again. I haven't done it since. Yeah. But I know people do, and I don't – who cares? If it's, a, if it's affecting the turkey population, that's a, that's a, a DNR. That's something for the DNR. Something, yeah. And that they need to lower, lower the limit. No doubt limit. about it. 
But if I'm having a struggling day and you get one day, two days to hunt, and you're, you're a family man or a family woman and you got, you got Little League and you got this and all this starting in the spring and you work five days, 50 hours a week and you got one day to go kill a turkey and you're going to tell them how to do it? That's not cool. So who am I to say, like, t- today you're like, well, I get in the blind. I'm like, I don't like turkey out in the blind. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Yeah, but that's social media. Everybody's in everybody yeah. else's business. Yeah, it's social yeah. media. When, when did, I mean, remember the 90s? Nobody was in your business. Well, you you're like just... 10 years older than me and Dave, so I don't know, like, what you're talking oh, about. Oh, now you're the same age as Dave? Pretty close. Yeah, he's 30. Oh. <laughs> something. He's 30? <laughs> something. Dave's 30 got my back, something? dude. Oh, man. Yeah. I do want to tell a story about physical being... I was naked this morning getting out of the shower. (laughs) Well, I hope you weren't wearing clothes in the shower. I heard footprints coming down the stairs. And I'm like, oh, shit, I hope it's not Rebecca. And then I was like, I hope it is Rebecca. I'm just just telling Joe. Um, um, Joe Joe comes down. He's got his suit on. And he's looking proper, right? And he's Mm -hmm. got his tie undone. But he's getting ready to put his tie on. The dude stood there and looked at me naked. I had to hold my shorts. Oh, he's so full crap. I sat there in the mirror putting my tie on. No, and he's like this in the mirror. And you said, come wake me up this morning. That's what you said last night. Make sure I'm awake. naked standing I I didn't even notice because I wasn't looking at you. You think that you would leave a little bit. I thought I came down and I thought I saw a Sasquatch in my basement. So I was like, I have no hair on my body. That's a lie. I get waxed. I I shake. Oh, I don't want to. I get waxed on my back. I do not want to know that. I manscaped. I, do, I, manscaped. I don't want to know that. My entire undercarriage is completely manscaped all the time. Oh, God. Brought to you by Lear. <laughs> that, that's not, per, but you should. I do not. You manscape. I don't want to. You manscape, that. right? Oh, I'm uncomfortable. You don't? Oh, you're going to learn. <laughs> you're going to learn. <laughs> You'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> you're uncomfortable. You no. think uncomfortable. What about me this morning? Buck naked holding a pair of shorts. <laughs> And you won't leave. I'm like, dude, do you not understand? I came down. I started doing my tie. I didn't even know. He was like, I wonder what he's going to put his boxers on. Maybe he's looking for gym motivation. Maybe he's just thinking, if I just keep going to the gym, I'll look like that one day. (laughs) That workout yesterday was fun to watch. Hey, I I didn't do that bad, did I? No, it was good. I I was proud of you. We worked hard at a couple things. I'm glad that we went. I wanted to go today and he wouldn't let me. (laughs) No. That is not true. We had too busy of a day to get there. We had a very busy. I feel better now than I did when we got done with the last meeting. I got all revved up for that last meeting, and then when I got done with it, I was so tired on the ride home. Yeah, we've had a we've but now we've I feel not good. had much sleep. We now went I to the Brewer good. game last night. We've had Brewers won. They awesome, lost today again. Awesome, get awesome meetings. Um, you know. Yeah, thank you for everything. You've set up great. some good meetings, and your wife Rebecca. Thank you, Dave, for all the hard work in Wisconsin. You guys got the expo coming up in August. The Foul Life and Provider will be the title sponsors again with Jargon. Yeah. We had a great meeting with Wisconsin Waterfowl Association yesterday. That's right. Great organization. People should, is there a membership for that organization? Yeah. Yes. Everybody needs to become a, a partner of that. Become a, a, a member of California Waterfowl. I mean, support all these state agencies. They're all fighting for rights. And uh, we had a great meeting with Wisconsin Department of Tourism yesterday. That was awesome. That was an awesome meeting. Remind me of his name. What's that? Craig Trost? Craig, he was awesome. Yeah, Craig Trost. I feel good about that one. So do I. He's good. I could see you on a, a... Come visit Wisconsin. You know, like, do you remember Marty Moose on vacation? John sure, Candy, remember? Hey, folks, welcome hey. to the park. <laughs> welcome to Wisconsin. Like, I could see you doing that in that Joel voice. Sure, why not? Because you got that great radio voice. Do it, <laughs> do it. Say, Welcome. To Welcome Wisconsin. to Wisconsin. Raised yeah. in Wisco. Raised in Wisco. No, you got to do it in your radio voice. Well, I don't, I'm, what do you, you I, have that great you, yeah, voice. Yeah, right. You it. do. Like, and you, you have turn a great, it on like ladies that. and gentlemen. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Like you were, do, do a, pe- you were a Pepperdine <laughs> Waves baseball announcer. Come into the plate. Now betting for your Pepperdine Waves. Number 27, Steve Rodriguez. Riguez. Like that. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Know. That's good stuff. Yep. Duck season's right around the corner, and I start getting so giddy. I start getting so ready. I absolutely love talking about our shooting system, and part of that shooting system that goes along with our Benelli and our high-vis sights, our Rob Roberts, whether it's the forcing cones or the choke tubes or everything that Rob does, he's a magician. But then you got the ammo, the ammunition, Federal Premium Black Cloud. Nothing, and I mean nothing, compares to it on the market. This ammo hits hard. 
It's affordable. It performs day in and day out. And we've seen the results for going on to 12 years now of shooting Black Cloud from Federal Premium exclusively on the Foul Life television. It doesn't matter where Federal Premium makes the ammo for you. And when it comes to waterfowl, nothing compares to Black Cloud. We live and die by it. And we have so much confidence in it every time we load our Benelli Super Black Eagle 3s. And that's what we owe these birds. We are conservationists first. We have to have compassion for the animals we pursue and respect for the resource. And we don't want any crippled birds. We want to pull the trigger and dispatch that animal to be able to provide that bounty on our table to our friends and family. And that's what Black Cloud means to us. I'm Chad Belding with the Foul Life Podcast and Foul Life Television. Next time you're in the, the, the mood or the market for some ammunition, look no further than Federal Premium Black Cloud. You've heard us talking about how much we travel. Our trailers, our trucks, Corning Ford, Mickey Thompson tires, bodyguard bumpers. We have a leer on every one of our rigs. F-150s, F-250s, F-350s. There's some other trucks out there by other manufacturers. We don't mention those. We believe in Ford and we believe in Lear. We believe in security, protection from the elements, the rain, the snow, the hail, security for our dogs, our kennels anchored down in our truck bed covered by the Lear, windows open for breathability and oxygen and air. We believe in making sure that when we stop at a hotel or a lodge that that Lear is locked, side windows that could pop up and for easy access, the back window, the tailgate down, everything is locked. There's so many different levels of security with your Lear. It's all prompted by your door locks and the electrical system in your trucks. Capital L, capital E, capital E, capital R. Lear toppers, check them out. We are so proud and honored to be partnered with Lear and we never ever take a trip without making sure that our trucks are loaded down and protected full security by Lear Toppers. I'm Chad Belding, the host of the Foul Life TV and the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you so much for supporting the brands that support us. Thank you for having a Lear on your next truck. I could see you on a welcome back to Wiz- in the Jesse Anderson trial. They found him guilty of first degree intentional homicide and the slaying of his wife, Barbara. <laughs> That's the news boys. I could see you doing a raised in Wisconsin or a welcome to Wisconsin tourism. Oh, commercial. that'd be so fun. Wouldn't it? Oh, if Becky have that cheese head on. Becky would have won. I could be doing it. I don't huh? know if I'd wear the cheese head. Maybe. Yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I suppose you would. Do you see that uh, when the Brewers uh, smack a dinger, they wear the cheese head? That's pretty cool. Yeah, they need to spruce that up. That's too predictable. Yeah. You know what I mean? They need to spruce the cheese head up. What? They need to have like uh Yeah, but see, that was always a Green Bay Packer thing, and now it's in the Brewers. That's cool when they do That's what I'm saying. It's too predictable. That's stuff. already been used. They need to have like a Bob Euchre mask. Bob Euchre is legendary. He is legendary, and he's yeah. still going. He was on last night while we were there. Funniest Bob Euchre story I've ever heard. And this is not real G-rated, so kids, plug your ears. But Artie Lang, who's a stand-up comedian, he's gone through some mental stuff. But he used to be the one of the side – he took Jackie Martland's spot on the Howard Stern Show. Yeah. And he's a New York Italian guy, loud. And he's in, he's in Arizona for spring training, and the Brewers are down there, I believe. Or it might have been a regular major league game, and, and they're playing the Dodgers. Or they're playing Anaheim when they're in the American League. What are they in now? The National League, right? National League. And they were in the American League forever. Yes, with Pete Vukovic and Robin Young, yep, Paul Molly Fingers. So I don't remember where they Paul were, Molly. but they invite Artie Lang up into Bob Uecker's booth. And he's a huge baseball guy. He's a huge Yankees fan. And he's a huge Bob Uecker, Harry okay. Doyle fan, right? So he's a little bit nervous, gets in the thing. And Bob goes, sit down, Artie. And they're sitting there and they're just BSing. And I guess as broadcasters, they have a mute button. To where if they need to say something like, hey, grab me a soda or something. Sure. They hit the mute button. Cough button. So here come the brewers and they're coming up the vat and Bob Uecker's doing his thing. And he's like, and here comes Robin Yount to the plate. And he hits the mute button. He goes, do you see the tits on that chick walking down there in aisle 13? And he lets it go. And again, Molitor is in the batter's box now getting ready for the deal. And dude, like it was the, you got to listen to that story. You can find it on YouTube. Artie Lang tells it about Bob Euchre's mute button and how he would be so quick. He'd be like, and look at the chick walking up to stairs 14, da, 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 like hilarious freaking story. But you can just tell that he's got that person. Oh yeah. And he's got that kind of wit. Too. And he's dude. I mean, the just movie, listen to him call a game. He's major, got that wit. major league, Harry Doyle. Oh, who gives a shit? Nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> hilarious in that movie. Yeah. Great actor. I mean, all those Miller light commercials from back in the day. Though me and Dave were too young to remember them, but you probably remember those, those uh, <laughs> Miller Lite commercials. You know, 
when you come here, you bust my chops like 24 seven. I, I have to say though, I, when, when Chad comes to Wisconsin, we really literally get everything we can out of every minute when you're here. I mean, we did when you guys, when the crew came, uh, for 10 days and, and we're already planning the next, uh, hunting trip to Wisconsin. So, um, I appreciate you coming here. I appreciate you being on the Midwest series podcast. That's awesome. Dave Nelson, you and I get to hang quite a bit and I'm you know, pretty jacked about that. Uh, Wisconsin waterfall expo is coming. It'll be here. It's wait. around the corner, uh, in August, uh, make sure to come by, see Dave and me at the fall life booth. We're going to be running a field calling contest sponsored by jargon. And, uh, we're kind of putting that together. It's going to be in addition to the regular, uh, calling contest. It's going to be pretty awesome. Chad Belding, have safe travels as you uh, head out here. I appreciate you coming. What was your favorite part of the trip so far? Hearing You're Dave, Dave, visiting I want to hear Becky. Dave do a feeding chatter. Ooh. Let me hear your feeding right. chatter. So your feed, your, you got a feed chatter better than me. No. <laughs> where's, the, where's your tip of your tongue when you're doing that? So I'm usually running maybe three quarters from the back. Forward. I don't do that. Try to take the tip of your tongue and put it on the bridge behind your upper teeth. Okay. <laughs> see that? See how, see how you oh, get yeah. that hollowness in there? Yeah, yeah. See how you get that good. chatter? Yeah. That's Sounds a dug. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And then when you switch to the back side of your tongue, then you can start mixing the two of them to get the double cut. That's it. That's a feature. Yeah. Your other one sounds good, but it's too throaty because you're right. using the back. If you get that, and then you can start mixing it in to where it's like. <laughs> but you keep it real, you keep it real hollow and loose. Okay? Too many people in a feed chuckle, they, 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 they muster down and they force it. <laughs> And they get that throat in there. Yep. A, a duck is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Since I think that's like the, I'm more of a goose guy. Yeah. And it's always, everything's tensed up. Yeah, diaphragm yeah. tight. And I, and I, so transition from that feed chatter to a greeter. Okay. Without skipping a beat. Just. <laughs> Yeah, you went back to your throat. Yep. Try to keep that greeter at the front of your mouth. <laughs> See, you're getting it right there. Yep. Now, if you get a, you get that flat quack, right? That. <laughs> yeah, See, it's all throat. Get it yeah. the front of your mouth. That's all throat. Still throat. Still throat. All throat. So if you move it to the front of your mouth and you're going like this, listen. If you're whispering my name, yep. like I just punched you in the stomach, yep. but you're not but at the front of your mouth, you go. Now you're getting it. Now there it is. There it is. Now open your hand a little bit more and curve your wrist and bend your wrist a little bit and now hit it. Open your hand a little bit. Now it's coming. So you take the throat yeah. out of it. Too many people use their throat too much, right? Yep. And when you're trying, when you, when you hear somebody like Bobby Heim hit that. That front of the mouth is yeah. dead on mallard. What it calls that megaphor? Megaphor. Yeah, just keep, try to, that feed chatter when you're doing it, I can hear a lot of your throat, which you're going to kill ducks. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you get it to the front of your mouth, my, you know, Chris Cifrio, my partner at Jargon, he taught me that. Like, get the feed chatter more to the front of your mouth. Okay. And then when you start getting the... Changed yep. from the first one was the throat, and then I went to the front of my mouth, and you get that hype, that more hyper duck. That meh, 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 meh. Your dog's going crazy. Is that? Ah, yeah, she hears it. She hears it. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I've had a problem with that. I've had a problem with it. Like that throatiness sounds, it sounds good, but when you can mix it, like your that flat quack is freaking awesome. Deadly. It's like yeah. dead on ducks, and it's a killer. When you get them right over the canopy. <laughs> Wah, 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 wah. 
They just eat that up. Yeah. It's the same with goose call. Let me hear that. Let me hear the front of your mouth moaning and clucking as opposed to guttural, throaty. Okay, everybody used to say that you grunt into a call. You never grunt into a game no. call, no matter what the game call is. Maybe some deer calls there might be. I'm not a deer hunter. I'm not a whitetail hunter. But if you if you really get the train note, if you master the train note in a goose call or a, a, a really strong moan, it's with the front of your mouth. We got to go. Are we done here? Try that real quick. That, that's dead on goose. Yep. Yeah. Dead on. Yep. Dead on. I love that. I so love a that goose, a, a Canada goose, whether it's a lesser or a 12 pounder, goes rough, clear cluck. Rough, clear cluck. I don't, I don't know what this calls tune, but you hear that rough? Yep. You hear how it went clear before I cluck? Yep. A real, uh, if you break down a Canada goose acoustics, they go rough, clear cluck. Okay. Rough, clear cluck. So they're always yep. keeping those those different measures and that frequency of rough, clear cluck. And I mean, you sound unreal on a goose call, but, but I think that if we, if you move things to the front of your mouth more and you get rid of the throatiness and throatiness is good, Yep. but it's better when you mix it. Well, then it's to me right away. When you say that in my head, it goes, that's another goose. A whole other it's a whole goose. other bird. And it's a whole other arsenal. Like you can, when you start to really get on them and you, and you get that, that rough, clear cut, and you can use the front of your mouth to operate the call, and you have confidence in that. Yep. Because everybody's taught for so long that you go, grr it. Yeah, no. You know, and that's not a goose. No. And, and fine, that's fine if you learn that way, and it's tough to teach an old dog new tricks, but the best thing to do is to grab it like Joel's vape pin, right? <laughs> so I guess I think this is how you hold a cigarette, a marijuana cigarette. Like, I think this is what you, and listen to this straight air, okay? Just with back pressure, you can change it. Now, if you change it to the front of your mouth and the tip of your tongue goes from the bottom behind your bottom teeth to that bridge behind your upper teeth, listen to this. And it sounds just like it goes rough, clear, cluck, just with the movement of that tongue and moving the air to the front of your mouth. Still controlling it with your diaphragm. Yep. But you use the front part of your mouth, which a lot of game callers get away from, unless you're really advanced, and I'm not. But when you get around a really advanced caller, like Bobby Heim on Omega 4 or Hunter Grounds or Kelly Powers, they're using the front of their mouth a lot. Okay. And they switch to the back of their mouth. They get down. When you, when you hit a goose call right, you should be able to feel the bottom of your ears tickle. They should tickle. Almost to the point where it drives you crazy. Like this bed I'm sleeping on. <laughs> you see why I like having him in the blind next to me, though? Oh, he can call. He's great. I mean, yeah, we wouldn't be awesome. having him do all these jargon tips if he wasn't a great caller. Yeah. But it's different when you hear it on TV or you hear it on video or you hear it on, on a podcast. And the people on this podcast, the pitch isn't going to be there. The tone's not going to be there. Until you're in the room or in the outside with somebody, you can really hear the distinctiveness of their geese or their ducks. Well, I like this because it makes this is going to make me sound arrogant. But it's very rare that I'm in a, in a field or we're in a field together and somebody's going to do what you just did to me. What Chad just did, yeah. No he doubt. can pick it apart. He knew right away, well, yeah, you're good. You're doing, but if do this, yeah. you'll get a whole other bird. Yeah, your feeder it. call and your duck call is not loose enough. But mine wasn't either two years ago. I'd, Chris would pick it up, and we'd be, we'd be operating a call, and he'd be like, you're not, you're not, that's not it. That's not it. And I'm like, dude, you're an idiot, dude. I know how to kill ducks. Like, right. I was hard-headed. And he's like, that's not it. And then when you're around him, and you're around him in the woods, and you're like not paying attention, and he all of a sudden picks up his call, and you're like, oh, my God, those ducks. It's a big difference. Yeah. Big difference when you can pick it apart in the human. There's humanistic rhythm in goose calling and there's goose rhythm, right? Yep. Well, in duck calling, there's humanistic tone and there's duck tone. And when Chris Cifrio hits that megaphore, you're like, you like, no pun intended, you get goosebumps. You're like, oh my gosh. Like, I want to sound like that. 
And there's a lot of Arkansas-based duck hunters. I'm not saying duck callers across the country can't do it, but in Arkansas, it's an audio state. Yeah. Very rarely do you need decoys and flooded timber to finish ducks. When they're ready to go in the timber, it's because you broke them down from a mile high and they're fe- they're eating up and they're hunting up that sound. They're going to the call. That's why all the duck hunt- duck callers down there are genius at eight years old. Well, that's why I couldn't believe I've, I listened. It was a while ago now. The podcast you did with Tony Vandermore. Yeah. You're talking about Love Lake. He's like, oh, they don't go. I mean, you won't just show up there. Yeah, you got to break them down. There. Yeah, you got to bring them. And there. you got to have Joel in there going. You mask that. Well, you're a good whistler. I'm not kidding. Like it's next level whistling, and you should, as a game hunter, become. Still busting my chest. I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying that your pintail whistle is amazing. Like you kill. Said, I'm, I'm entering the meat calling contest on the pintail whistle. No, I think Joel's great. He's. Uh. I, I, I think again, like we started this conversation. <laughs> this is going to sound soapboxy, but I hope. It doesn't come across that way. I started the conversation about the physical being, and we all have work to do on ourselves, right? As game callers, we owe it to the, the birds to be as intimate with that negotiation as possible. Okay? I'm not a very good rifle shot, and I don't enjoy shooting a coyote at 400 yards with vitals this big. I like getting them at eight feet with a shotgun and a triple, like triple, three of them charging me because you're calling so good and realistic. You judge the wind. You got You know, you're doing it right. I think that, as game callers, we owe it to ourselves to become the best. As a duck and goose hunter, I know that we're going to take shit for saying this. I don't think you can thoroughly enjoy the maximum waterfowl experience and what waterfowl has to offer until you've communicated with wild ducks and wild geese. And you know you manhandled them. Yep. I think that it's awesome and you can go out and have a great time with your buddies and hunt. But if you took it to the next level of calling and learning to call, timing, when to call, when to shut up, all the sounds, all the vocabulary, all the jargon, it's, there's no better feeling in hunting than being able to control animals because you're speaking their language like Will Primo's made so famous and speaking the language. Does that make sense? It, it makes does. Total Was sense. that soapboxy? That's what Phil, no, that's what Phil Robertson said. I don't call ducks. I command them. Well, yeah. it's totally different too. Like what you're saying, I think of that when you go into late season, for sure. When you've got those stubborn birds and it's like, man, like, I mean, when you were here, it was terrible. Honestly, yeah. the goose hunt was bad. But when you get, when we're here hunting it every day and all of a sudden you do get a, a batch of fresh birds or you just get in the right field and you know, you know, you're, you know that you're confident on a call that you're going to make the right sounds and you can make them do what you want them to do. It's unbelievable. unbelievable. But then you get molt migrators in September and it's like everybody just make noise. Yeah. Right. So it's complete. It's a. It's totally different as you go throughout yeah, Dave, the season. I mean, you're really good at reading geese. You're well, good that, at reading them, and there's nothing more exciting than watching them turn. No. Get reengaged and then finish. Reading after body, the, after reading, they were flying by. Yeah, reading posturing and body language is. It doesn't happen overnight, but when you get to that point to where you know that if you hit this note, they're going to do this, and as soon as they do that, I'm going to hit this note. There's nothing better in hunting. No, no, there's my, nothing. My favorite is being quiet. Like when you get like a th- three or four of them, they're flying over and you just don't make a sound and they just and fly they right them. over. And you look at that one and two of them are just kind of sitting there and they're just kind of rubbernecking. Everyone's like, oh, we got to we start calling. Mm-mm. Nope. You just peek out the corner and all four of them just about making a peep because you're well, at that's, them. That's, yeah. that's you, a big part of it. Is you just know to read when them. to call. And read yeah. yeah. Awesome podcast. Awesome time with you here. I appreciate it, Chad. Awesome time of what? Awesome time with you here. Awesome oh, time with me. With you I thought Wisconsin. you said of the year. No. Great to have you in Wisconsin. I love it. Uh, mm. Love every chance we get and excited about the fact that you're going to come back. We're going to have some more hunts. I hope. Wisconsin. That'd be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is the Fowl Life Podcast Midwest Series. I'm your host, Joel Clayfish, along with Chad Belding and Dave Nelson. We'll see you next time. And don't forget, brand new episodes of Benelli's of Fowl Life Outdoor Channel, June 28th. June 28th. And you know what? And the special. And you're on the first couple episodes. You're cooking goose yeah. nachos, alligator. You're, you're, oh, ha- you're calling Canada geese. I don't know how you call Canada geese with that whistle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Joel's there. So brand new episode. Season 15, Benelli's a Foul Life. <laughs> we'll see you next Thanks, time. Joel. Thank you. Ciao. Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao.